Our call to worship this morning is taken from the Heidelberg Catechism. It's actually question number 26 from Lord's Day 9. I'll ask the question and you respond. What do you believe when you say, I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, that the eternal Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who out of nothing created heaven and earth and everything in them, who still upholds and rules them by his eternal counsel and providence, is my God and Father because of Christ the Son. I trust God so much that I do not doubt he will provide whatever I need for body and soul and will turn to my good whatever adversity he sends upon me in this sad world. God is able to do this because he is almighty God and he desires to do this because he is a faithful father that's filled with so much poetry and focus and encouragement, this sad world. He's willing to do this. He desires to do it because he's a faithful father. We'll be reflecting on the words of all things bright and beautiful. This is God's creation. Let us love him and appreciate that. The Lord God has made them all and given them and us life together. Well, I'm always looking to see where is God at work in the midst of the circumstances I find myself. And I want to tell you, there's some things that encourage me right now. It's late July and the Detroit Tigers are only one game out of first. <laughs> Who would have thought that God would have to do this much to make that happen? <laughs> 
Well, we're making it. Welcome to a second week on site and another week as we uh, live stream to folks. Um, I was just being told a story about being up in the Sioux and able to worship with us in this way. So we're going to keep doing this and figure out how to do it better and better. Thanks for figuring out the distancing as we sit in family groups. I appreciate the masks. Um, I'd also say if you'd like some of the research we're seeing on singing, let me know. Some of it is pretty thick and intense, but I'm happy to send you copies, email links. But in the meantime, I very much appreciate working together to care for each other, kind of within the parameters as we go forward. And I remind you of a scripture that I've been meditating on. It's Philippians 2, 3. In humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Have the same mindset as that, as in Christ Jesus. We're called to love one another and to love our neighbor, and we're figuring out how to do that week by week. Um, As I understand, we're going to need some additional volunteers at the close of each service to help sanitize and prepare for the next activities in the sanctuary. Um, So uh, look for Christine. We can take some of those folks. Um, I appreciate your survey responses. Uh, It's helping us learn more about the live stream. And I'm particularly thankful that no one has said, that guy in the front, rather than a mask, try a bag. Imagine, it could be really embarrassing here. Um, I'll take a few weeks off of the next one to come uh, because I will be out. Uh, Understand, too, uh, one of the reasons we're working on the live stream to those who are watching the recorded service or live stream is so that if it's not wise for you to return, you can be a part of us in this way. Um, The other thing, I'll catch you up on some personal things. Mary Lynn and I will leave next Saturday to drive to South Carolina to see my mother. Uh, She's back in her retirement community in a rehab wing and has been COVID-free for two weeks. So uh, uh, she's passed that quarantine and uh, we're hoping that even if we don't get into the room to see her, uh, she'll be in that safe environment. We're looking forward to getting close as we can with her. I've been thankful to lean week by week on some of the faith expressed by others. And we've used the Heidelberg Catechism question one. It's such a powerful expression of the hope we have in Jesus. And so let us uh, confess our faith using together the words of the Heidelberg Catechism. It again starts with my question. What is your only comfort in life and in death? Together, that I am not my own but belong body and soul in life and death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. He has fully paid for all my sins with his precious blood and has set me free from the tyranny of the devil. He also watches over me in such a way that not a hair can fall from my head without the will of my Father in heaven. In fact, All things must work together for my salvation. Because I belong to him, Christ, by his Holy Spirit, assures me of eternal life and makes me wholeheartedly willing and ready from now on to live for him. Spirit of God who dwells within my heart, let us meditate and love God.
as we turn to the Lord in prayer. A couple of things I'd update you on. One, uh, we begin this afternoon our Summer Serve Week, which is a week of focused youth ministry, and everything has got to be different. It'll be smaller, it'll only be kids from Hardawike, we'll keep them separated and in pods across the time here. Um, Every step has been rethought in light of safety and protocol, and yet we also want the opportunity to be encouragement in the gospel uh, for our middle and high schoolers. I'll also be focusing, I'm, I'm building into our prayer time what I'm calling prayer pauses and things that I think we need to be praying about, not just in our service, but outside. One is the challenge of loneliness. As I've spent time with folks and listened to people, it's easy to feel isolated. And so I encourage you, right where you are in the people that you know, pray against the pressure of loneliness in your life or in others. And then I'm finding myself using a little uh, tool in my own mind for organization. I'm calling it a circle of five. I often pray for my circle of five right in my neighborhood. Our neighbor to this side, the couple who's just moved in there, the couple who's lived across the street from us, a couple that will be moving in and those next to us on this side. I pray for the people in my neighborhood. I don't know who yours are. You may want to pray for five family. You want to pray for your neighbors. But part of the fullness of the gospel is to point us to other people. So let your mind go in that direction. Let's turn to the Father and pray, shall we? Oh, Lord, our God and Father, we give you thanks for your amazing love for us. And in this sad world, to take the words of the catechism, we see its brokenness and its need for more than what we can do or provide. So we thank you that you have done what is most needful and provided more than we could ever imagine or ask. You've given us your son and empowered us to live out that gospel until he returns. We thank you for Hardawike Ministries, the way you've gathered us as your people to be an expression of your body in this time and in this place. We pray for Norlin and the facilities team as they lead us in navigating the circumstances. We pray for Pastor Darwin and the council, again, as they prayerfully listen to hear your voice and lead us forward. We pray for Great Escape, our weekday camp, and for Angie and her team as they, again, navigate a new situation, but continue ministry to young people. And for our summer service week, an expression that you have called us to serve others, we pray that the gospel would bear fruit in the lives of these young people, be with their leaders. Father, we pray for our sister congregation, Watershed, that'll be meeting uh, in just one service for the rest of the summer. And for Pastor Josh Schatzel, who will be preaching today, we pray for Lynn DeLue, who many of us know here from Celebration, recovering from acute Lyme disease. For the final Heart of White congregation that will meet today, Fusion, we thank you for Pastor Luke and his ministry. I've seen your hand on him, and even now as you prepare for his family to move to Ireland, may they go as we miss him but go with our blessing. 
We thank you too in the midst of COVID for births like Josie Joy Pet, that you would remind us that there is a tomorrow of hope. We pray for Pastor Florencio and Mission. Father, for the people of celebration, we remember this week at the memorial service the death of Kim Elling, granddaughter of Bob and Marianne. In the midst of this sadness, Heavenly Father, we beseech you to be comfort. Thank you that you poured out your Holy Spirit to be exactly that. Father, we pray that you would give us insight to move against the pressure of loneliness, that your Holy Spirit would be comfort and joy from outside our system. And Father, for our circle of five, I know and name my neighbors. Thank you that you placed Mary Lynn and I in the midst of them to be an instrument of your grace in their lives. I encourage you to identify and pray for your circle of five. Finally, Father, we ask that you bind us together as your people in this ministry of prayer. Hear us as we pray, just as Jesus taught us. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen and amen. One of the things we're always taught in seminary is that much communication is nonverbal. <laughs> so we're making that and doing it as best we can. Um, we continue to preach the book of Psalms uh, every day. We've got a, a reading chart. Uh, hopefully you're reading through that. Uh, I know some of you are working through Tim and Kathy Keller's daily devotion. That's a deeper meditation on the gospel of grace and how that's borne out in the Psalms. Uh, we gather five days a week uh, outside in the, under the picnic um, pavilion to read and to share together briefly. Let the Psalms begin to really uh, guide the expression of your heart, give it substance and direction. This morning, we read an a important and interesting psalm, and there's a historical context that I'll pick up. If you go to 1 Samuel 17 through 21, you have a sense of what was going on in David's life as he wrote this psalm. So let me read it to you. I'll come back and give you that context as we dig in deeper. Hear God's word, Psalm 56. The heading for this is for the director of music to the tune, A Dove on Distant Oaks, a Psalm of David, a miktam specifically. When the Philistines had seized him in Gath. So there's the context. Here's the Psalm. Be merciful to me, my God, for my enemies are in hot pursuit. All day long they press their attack. My adversaries pursue me all day long in their pride. Many are attacking me. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. In God whose word I praise, 
In God I trust and am not afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? All day long they twist my words. All their schemes are on my ruin. They conspire, they lurk, they watch my steps, hoping to take my life. Because of their wickedness, do not let them escape. In your anger, God, bring the nations down. Record my miseries. List my tears on your scroll. Capture them in a bottle. Are they not in your record? Then my enemies will turn back when I call for help. By this, I will know that God is for me. In God, whose word I praise, in the Lord, whose word I praise, in God I trust and am not afraid. What can man do to me? I am under vows to you, my God. I will present my thank offerings to you, for you have delivered me from death and my feet from stumbling, that I may walk before God in the light of life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have entered into human reality. You are not a distant idea or God observing, but you have entered in. And so even in the issues of David's life, you have inspired him to record and to teach us. Thank you for the way you've inspired the writing of this text. You've preserved it across centuries against great odds. And now in an extraordinary way, we can translate it, read it, and hear you. Guide our footsteps, fill us with great hope. Thank you for your word. Be greater, Holy Spirit, than my brokenness, that your people may see the love of Jesus. We pray in his mighty name. And all of God's people said together, amen and amen. I'll be honest, the summer of 2001 was one of the hardest, most difficult times of my life. I'd been a pastor for about 20 years, served three churches that had experienced uh, remarkable growth. One church was six times larger after I left than when I came. All the others had grown by significant multiples as well. I had three marvelous children, the same beautiful wife, Life was amazing until suddenly the church I was leading, trying to do a redevelopment, was closed. I was unemployed for the first time since I was 12. We decided to stay in North Carolina where we were rather than take another call because we didn't want to move our kids. And now six months later, I'm struggling to keep a daughter in college, keep some health insurance, take care of the mortgage. All these things are pouring in. It was as hard and disruptive and difficult a time as a person, particularly as a a husband and a dad as I've ever experienced. I thought back on that time in my life when I meditated on this psalm through the course of this week. David was in such a season himself. It's what I'd call a season of tears. And oh, it can be hard. Let me give you the context. I'll just kind of race through it so you can hear the events that brought David to this moment. First Samuel 17 is the story of David's victory by the grace of God over the giant Goliath. Goliath was the champion of the Philistines, and he was from a little town called Gath. That'll be significant in a moment. David enters the scene in the scripture victorious and cheered on. 
From there, his friendship with King Saul, his son, Jonathan, in 1 Samuel 18, continues on the ascendancy. He's rising in the court politics and acclaimed by all, except by the king himself, who has a growing resentment. Verse 8 of 1 Samuel 18, Saul has slain his thousands, but David his tens of thousands. They're cheering David and Saul's feeling that resentment. By 1 Samuel 19, King Saul tries to assassinate David and things go downhill from there for him. King Saul is getting more desperate to hold on to reputation and power. David is doing all things well. David eventually flees Jerusalem to escape King Saul's resentment and the schemes. And by 1 Samuel 21, David's on the run. A vagabond was the word we used as we were collaborating on the sermon through this week. He comes to Ahimelech, the priest in the town of Nob. And Ahimelech gives, gives David provisions, bread, and a weapon. You know what weapon he got there? He got what had been the sword of Goliath. That'll be significant. It was huge. It was big. It had not been his. But it reminded him of his moment of great victory. Next, David heads out and he leaves Israel and the people of God to find, he hopes, a place of escape in a Philistine town called Gath, where Goliath was the hometown hero. And he walks in with Goliath's sword. I was going over this with Mary Leanne and she just stopped. We were walking in the neighborhood and she says, what was David thinking? To walk into this city in Gath, the enemy of Israel, and to bring the sword of the man you had killed. Will you welcome me? Of course they didn't. And soon the rumors are flying and David has to act as if he's a deranged madness and flees to a cave to escape. And it's in that moment, in a cave it seems, with both Israel and the Philistines after him, with the sword of Goliath to remind him of his long distant victories, now David writes Psalm 56, when the Philistines had seized him in Gath, he was in the midst of all of this. No wonder in Psalm 56, 1, he writes, my enemies were in hot pursuit. There's Saul and the army of Israel. There's the rumors of Gath. Verse 56, 5, they twist my words, all my scheme, all their schemes are for my ruin. It's a dark, hard time for David. And it's made all the worse, I suspect, because he remembers when he was on top. Being unemployed would not have been as hard for me had I not had a season where I became, pardon me, a legend in my own mind. It was the victories that made this moment feel more like a failure and pressed in hard. No wonder David would capture how I felt in that moment as he expressed how he felt. Record my misery, list my tears on your scroll. Are they not in your record? 
You have kept count of my, my tossings or wanderings would be another translation. You've put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? Have you had those moments? David was in a season of tears. I could easily think back to the summer of 2001. For each of us, there will be those seasons. You drive by the tent city of homeless people and you see your child. A child who is doing so well in the steps of recovery, back out on the street, homeless, using again. You lay in bed alone in tears, wondering how your marriage ever descended into this mess. You come home from a memorial service and in the quiet of your own home, you remember what the pastor said, but you can't feel it at all. A middle schooler seeing what's being said about you on Instagram and wondering how you can be sick enough to not have to go to school in the morning. You hear a doctor say the word cancer and you can't remember anything else after that. I don't know how or why or when you'll enter it, what will cause it to happen, but I can promise you life in this broken planet, there will be seasons of tears. There will be times that you remember your victories and that just makes things seem all the further and harder and more painful. Where do you go in your mind at that moment? Where did you go? Where are you going? On what do you meditate? What repeats itself again and again without you having to press the rewind button? You know, it's just there. What fills your mind when it wanders? Where does your thinking go by reflex? There are dangerous places to go, but David in his season of tears turned to God's word. That's his chorus, four twice, verse four and verses 10 and 11. In God whose word I praise, in the Lord whose word I praise, in God I trust and am not afraid, what can man do to me? God's word. David remembers God speaking and out of nothing comes something, all that there is. God remembers God speaking to Abraham. David remembers God speaking to Abraham, giving him a blessing and saying, all people will be blessed through you. David can remember God speaking to Israel, saying, I've heard your cries. I will set you free from slavery. David had the written word of God. Moses' books and Joshua were written. He might have not had eight copies in various translations on his bookshelf, but they had God's word written and loved and cherished. So do you and I, do we go there in our season of tears? David had God's word spoken. He remember it was the voice of Samuel that said, this is the one. And they looked at him. Jesus said, my sheep will hear 
my principles and put them to work in their own strength. He didn't say that. My sheep will hear my voice. They will listen. They will obey. Yes, they will have his written word, but there will be an intimacy of relationship through the power of the Holy Spirit that reminds us that our God is not simply an idea in the distance. He's a loving heavenly father, a a, a brother who would rescue us from our brokenness. David had the record of community, less reliable perhaps, but those memories and the stories of I remember when God fill in the blank. It's interesting. Could David in this moment have prayed these words? He also watches over me in such a way that not a hair can fall from my head without the will of my Father in heaven. In fact, all things must work together for my salvation. See, that's the record of our community that points us to the voice of God embedded in God's written word. That's where we go in these times of trouble. David does not turn to his own strength. Even less, he does not turn to the world. The world was his problem. King Saul, the men of Gath, you don't go to your problem to get an answer to your problem. Here's a thought. David probably did not turn to the news channels. I want to suggest to you, friends, a little survey you can give your own heart in this time. Do you spend more time in God's Word, written, or more time at the TV or radio? Do you want the promise of God or the news of the world? We need to be careful what we let speak to our inner mind, to our inner thoughts, what we let shape things. I want to give you a a thought experiment as we think about this. Are we turning to God's word or just rehashing our own thoughts, hearing the philosophies of the world, the so-called news of the world? I'm kind of disappointed, I'll tell you. Because at this point, I'm not thinking there's going to be much NFL this year. Does that have an effect on my life? Oh, yeah. Is it going to affect Mary Lynn's life? Oh, yeah. I'm going to be grumpy. Will it determine my life? I want to think in closing about effect and determine. Because you see, when we live in the world as members of the great commission team of Jesus Christ, we will be affected by the world. There'll be little or no NFL. I'm sorry for that. But I'm not determined by the world. There's something going on. I, uh, where is it in my notes? November 3rd, I think. Will the election affect your life? Of course it will. We live in a world, we do ministry in this broken world. We're people of the Great Commission. Will the election determine your life? Depends. It affects the life of people on mission in this world. But it determines the life of people in idolatrous surrender to the things of the world. I get that we're affected. 
When we hear a diagnosis, when we see heartache in our child's life, when David was threatened by the men of Gath, but our life and our world is not determined by anything but God. What can humanity do to me? They can affect my life, but God determines my life. Do you believe that? Hear the good news, the grace of the living God. Yes, our lives are affected. Yes, we need to be faithful and true. But no, no one determines my life but the living God. Now, that living God might surprise me with what he uses to affect my life from time to time. I've been through some hard times that I'd care not to go through again. But I know my God is at work to his glory and to my benefit that none of these hairs have fallen from my head apart from his good work. Everything else falls into line. David goes on to close in verse 12. I am under vows to you, my God. I will present my thank offerings to you. Friends, don't be deceived. David didn't build himself up and say, I'm going to give a thank offering. And then because I've given a thank offering, God better make things better. No, as he praised God's word, as he invested in God determining his life, he then took an opportunity to give vows of thanks, to put down a marker and say, God has acted. I'm thankful. Friends, I want to tell you something. Where grace is at work, gratitude grows. And you see that in David's life. Times were hard, but he turned to God's word, not to the things of the world, and he was transformed to a man of gratitude and of trust. One of the most touching moments recorded in the history of Martin Luther and his wife Katie surrounds the heartbreaking death of their 14-year-old daughter, Magdalene, in 1542. She was a beloved daughter And when she was diagnosed with and gravely ill, they faced a challenge in life, a season of tears. When Katie realized the gravity of the child's illness, she began to weep uncontrollably. As the illness became worse, the good Dr. Martin Luther himself said, I love you very much, but if it is thy will to take her, dear God, I shall be glad to know she is with you. In his heartbreak, he turns to God and the promises of his word. When their daughter was in the agony of death, I'm reading here from his collected works, Luther fell on his knees before the bed and weeping bitterly, prayed that God might save her. Thus she gave up the ghost in the arms of her earthly father. Her mother was in the same room, but farther from the bed on account of her grief. It was the ninth hour on the Wednesday after the 15th Sunday after Trinity in the year 1542. Martin Luther said of the death of his beloved Magdalene, when Magdalene died, I'm joyful in spirit, but I'm sad according to the flesh. Do you hear the honesty? The flesh doesn't take kindly to this. The separation troubles me beyond measure. It's strange to know that she is surely at peace and that she is well off there, very well off, yet for me to grieve so much. 
I'm angry with myself that I'm unable to rejoice from my heart and be thankful to God. Honesty. Though I do at times sing a little song and thank God. I want to tell you, in my season of tears, I'm not singing Roll Over Beethoven. I'm singing God's word. Luther says, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. Do you see how as he turns to God's word, his life, his season of tears begins to be slowly transformed to gratitude. Friends, David, the Holy Spirit speaking through David, encourages us to be honest about our pain, but to turn to God's word even when he seems distant. Good news, God himself will wipe away every tear. Let me close with some scriptures and then we'll pray. Romans 8, 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword or masks? Uh, That's in Bill's text. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced, Paul writes, that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. David wept. You and I have wept. Martin and Katie Luther wept. But now we weep with a promise. Revelation 24, he, that is God, God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. Be honest about your tears, but turn to God's word that his Holy Spirit might work. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your kindness and love. And we recognize that in this broken world, often uh, referred to as a veil of tears, that there is heartache. There is loss. We make mistakes. Others make mistakes on us. We thank you that though this world might affect us, it does not determine our life. And so we thank you, Father, for the great promises of your written word that we can read and memorize and repeat, for the whisper of your voice that puts our name into those things, and for the record of the community of your grace that extends through the centuries. Now continue to work in your people. And I'm going to ask that you pray with me. We'll put the words of the Heart of White Gospel meditation on the screen together because of what Jesus did on the cross for me and for all humanity. I am not my own, but instead by the working of his grace, I am a deeply loved and fully adopted child of the great creator King. Jesus has loved me first and loved me as I am right here and right now not as I should be or could be. He has also given the Holy Spirit to work in me, transforming me day by day into his likeness. In that way, 
Jesus increasingly works through me as he brings about the restoration and reconciliation of all creation. Holy Spirit, help me to believe this and increasingly see the evidence of your work in my life, values, and actions. We continue a hymn of prayer, My Faith Looks Up to Thee. Be encouraged by the promise of God's word. Now, a bit of direction. I'm going to give you a benediction from Hebrews. And while we're standing, we'll then close with the doxology. I will, during the doxology, begin to dismiss folks row by row and from the back. And we ask you to kind of work your way out to the uh, covered entrance outside and feel free to uh, spend time together there uh, in that circumstance. Does that feel clear and good? Let's stand and receive the benediction of our God from Hebrews chapter 13. And now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, that great shepherd of the sheep, may he equip you with everything good for doing his will. May he work in us what is pleasing to him and through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen and amen.
will be running off.